This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. As part of the Jeremiah Show, it's the Arwen Lewis Show. Arwen Lewis is a singer, a songwriter, and a guitarist. She inhabits our blue planet, but her beliefs belong in the celestial realm. As the daughter of Peter Lewis, a founding member of rock and roll cult icons Moby Grape, and the granddaughter of Oscar-winning actress Loretta Young, she's been part of the creative cosmos all of her life. She's a slice of sonic heaven, poised to enter your heart, mind, and soul. She's an artist, producer, and writer, and she's your radio host. Hello, everybody. This is Arwen Lewis. You're listening to the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. I have a very, very special guest today, performance and recording musician Jonathan McEwen. He's a guitar virtuoso with a voice that sings directly into one's soul. He spent his life on the stage in recording studios, creating and performing music in the genres of country rock, bluegrass, Americana, rock and roll, and more. By the time he was six years old, Jonathan was on stage with his father at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado, performing for sold-out crowds. Jonathan has recorded a vast array of solo material, collaborated and toured with his father, Jonathan McEwen, and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, Dave Mason, and more. You could compare Jonathan to Elvis Presley, with a shimmer of Jimi Hendrix, but he is most certainly unique and in some ways incomparable in his masterful talents as a musician. Jonathan, welcome to my show, and thank you for coming on today. I'm trying to figure out who you're talking about. <laughs> this guy sounds amazing. <laughs> I made that up. Well, That's I didn't great. make it up. It's true for my observation. <laughs> I love your writing. Thank you. <laughs> His songs and and uh, now copy. Mm-hmm, First, nice. I was a fan of your songwriting. So, well, now I'm a writer, biography writer too. So there. <laughs> um, well, I thought we could just start by talking about well here what i thought we could talk about we're both kind of part of the san as valley music scene and you've got a lot of cool gigs up there um do you want to talk about your place in the community of musicians there during a time when there were no gigs mm-hmm. mind you there's a f- few venues out there my main few is in dozens of, of wineries and things where we could play during this pandemic thing mm-hmm. all all the time because we were outside so yeah. it became kind of a habitual an old habit that didn't go away. Mm-hmm. So we were playing, man, we must have done two or 300 gigs up there the last few years. Yeah. And met a lot of folks. And um, yeah, I'd say there's a music scene up there well before I got there. And uh, uh, it's generational. And um, it's kind of like the old, um, what's that that ride they go on, the Ranchero ride or whatever, where they, they have all those cowboy songs. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of those up there too. Yeah. Old school country folks, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel like like I, we were kind of talking about this too. There's so many talented musicians and artists in that area. It's like a great hub, you know, for creativity and community. And I feel like, um, you know, the music is the heart of the community that it's creating. And yeah, they're not really flashing it around, so you, so you don't really see it. Yeah, and you can kind of focus on your craft. Yeah, 
It's, it's a very peaceful place. Uh, that's for sure. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. <laughs> and then when it comes to Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's basically all week. It's, it's a madhouse up there. You got to come check it out. It's wonderful. Yes. Everybody come to the San Inez Valley over the weekends. Lots of music up there, though. You mm-hmm. find, you'll find. I played in Ojai recently. I lived there for years and was in the session yesterday at a studio in Ojai. We've recorded for 20 years. And uh, my bass player played with the Buckaroos. He was in there. I never met him. His name was Billy Haynes. And he played with Tina. And here we are making music with Alvino Bennett on the drums from Chicago. And we're, we're all going over the arrangement quickly. And what are we doing? I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Let's do this, right? So we, we come up with an arrangement real quick. We, we track the tune. It was like uh, the wrecking crew. Yeah. Uh, uh, minus, you know, L.A. <laughs> <clears throat> it was fun and we did another one and we did another one we did three or four so I'm just spilling out of a car from a session folks you could probably hear I picked up a couple frogs on the way down the Ojai Valley 33 <laughs> in my throat <laughs> welcome to the radio my parents met at a radio station so I love radio I mean through the looking glass through the looking glass oh that's nice um, well, and they were not on drugs or anything. They just, I don't know. That's why I'm here because of radio. So <laughs> thanks for getting me on the radio, on the air. You've come full circle now. Yeah. Drive safe out there, folks, whatever you do. It's crazy out there. Well, when did you start playing music? Like when you were two? No, I mean, there's, uh, let's see. We. Um, I'm thinking about my media training. Don't go on the mic. Um, no, we always, we, first thing we did was sat on the Victrola and broke it because we thought it was a sit and spin, you know. <laughs> that Neumann microphone my dad bought for $7,000, we thought it was like a, kind of like a, a sort of a sports thing, you know, we throw it around the room and roll it down the stairs. Broke those, broke the condenser. I don't know, ruined a few Standell amps. Um, PV was a sponsor for my folks' dirt band for years. He, they were the first guys to get all the gear. So we we were blowing speakers. and I don't think we were playing for, for a while. We were just breaking stuff. <laughs> and then um, I got a guitar from uh, my dad from a Miller Music-sponsored event he did with um, my Uncle Jeff and the dirt band. They got two Hamer Miller Music guitars that were horrible. and they gave And they gave one to Jamie and I. So my first guitar was a a Miller Music guitar. Okay. Uh, that didn't really play. Well, how did you it, play it then? We had to fix it first. Okay. You know, and so Jamie became kind of a luthier first, and then he gave me my first Stratocaster when I was when I was twelve or something. And mom and dad put me on the piano. It's, it always it kind of seems like he's going to be a musical one. You know, maybe we should give him a get him a piano teacher. And here comes this guy in Evergreen, Colorado. You know, sitting down, I, oh, I smelled like a pine tree. I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And Dan did it. But I went through it and learned how to. I basically learned how to sing and play the piano, at, piano the at the same time, time first. And then uh, my brother Andrew got a banjo, and he, my dad gave him a mandolin and a guitar, and I, I never felt so jealous in my life. <laughs> never played them. And then I'm like, well, what about me, you know? It's like, well, you have to earn it, you know? <laughs> you have to buy yours. So my dad made me buy my first guitar from him, which was a very smart thing to do, I think, because I, like I, I felt like I earned it, you know, when I played it. Like, it was mine, kind of. But anyway, they get stolen, so... Be careful. Well, I feel like, you know, it made you really want it to admit you appreciate a little more, right? Oh, absolutely. He showed me how to work um, first before he showed me how to play. 
And I mean, that's like an important thing to just know about in life. A lot of kids don't know how to do that anymore. Uh, They want to play first and work second. Mm -hmm. And uh, it got real bad the last few years. Like everybody's getting tired of having to go to work. And it's just part of life, you know. But here we are. Um, Becoming a player was probably the biggest challenge in my life because I didn't, I never thought I was any good or singing. Uh, we, we would review the, we had these RCA video cameras, you know, mm-hmm. and my brothers would go out and film and I'd review it and I'd strap myself to a chair and force myself to watch the most horrible thing I just ever, I did in my life. Cause I'm up there with Vassar Clements and hanging out with Levon Helm and stuff. And he's, he's like, dude, you're playing it wrong, man. Yeah, on video. And I'm like, I don't know this song, dude. I've never met you. I don't know your name. You're Levon Helm. I'm Jonathan. My dad told me to come talk to you. I'm terrified. You know, he's like, it goes rag, mama, rag, mama, rag. Rag, mama. I'm like, I don't, I didn't get it. I'm like, yeah. well, where's the one? Where do we come back in? I don't understand. So, so they were frustrated with me, mm-hmm. these elders. Yeah. But they were also prompted by another dude who they respected mm-hmm. to give him a little bit of a taste of what it's really like. Because he looks like he's going to want to do that stuff. And these guys were high. I didn't know what that meant. I was young. I was too young to know what that was. Mm-hmm. But when you review the tape, which is what they do in sports, mm-hmm. you go, I think I can adjust here and there. And then you watch their set and you're like, why is Levon and the band so slow tonight? And you're like, oh, well, that's probably beer. I didn't know what beer did. So, so anyway, yeah. it's been a fun ride. My dad's like a Disneyland, yeah. you know, with a banjo. He's a, he's fun. He's a fun guy. So there's that, too. He taught us how to work, but we also played. We also had good times at the hotel, you know, playing quarters and learning how to do sleight of hand and things like that. Well, yeah, and that's all part of the culture of, you know, being involved like in a musical family who's like, you're a legitimate act, right? And like, I feel like even though, yeah, those times were like really, might be traumatizing or difficult, like when you're trying to keep up with Leave on Helm and he's trying to teach you this song, it doesn't, the time signature doesn't make sense. But right. you learned how to keep up and that became part of your subconscious and look at the way you play now, that's all I can say. Well, there is that, that uh, when you get, it's like getting up to the top of a grade. Yeah. You know, you can put your car in overdrive Mm -hmm. or you can keep it in third when you go down the hill, you know, so you can get over the hill, but Mm -hmm. if you're not careful, you you know, if you're not prepared to go down. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the the education for me was like from Bob Siebenberg's Mm -hmm. tribe, which is Jesse and Supertramp and all those guys and and, um, my Ojai uh, bro, let's say. You know, he he taught me things like, you know, don't be a jerk on the way up, you know, because you won't have any friends on the way down kind of thing. Because he knew a lot of people that were just, you know, mean from hello, but they were alone later in life. So so that's a tough one as a human. You know, you're trying to do something creative and cool and artistic. But what ends up happening is you still have to live your life and go through life like everybody else does. And Mm -hmm. and you get mad or something. And, oh, you're mad because you get to play the guitar. Aren't you special? (laughs) And then you go through that stuff. Oh, you get to hide behind the guitar and sing for a living. Wow, I wish I could do that. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So we are lucky. It's really important to realize how lucky you are before it's gone. Exactly. And that's, I mean, <clears throat> you can, I got a frog too. I think we picked him up in Los yeah. Olivos or something. <clears throat> they wanted to come to the show. But um, no, but yeah, it's basically, it's a life lesson, you know. Totally. Like, don't, have to, don't have to be musical to experience all the stuff where we get to talk about music because that's what we 
focus mm-hmm. on, but it's, it, it applies to life in general and, exactly. and human, the human condition. Perspective is everything. You know? I mean, how about your perspective about Elvis? Like, when did well, uh, you know your love for Elvis? Well, you know, I, when did it start? Well, <laughs> it's funny you should ask. Um, I don't know. My mom's a twin. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was a twin. Mm-hmm. I didn't know um, that. His twin, his twin brother Aaron died at birth. Um, um, he was a mama's boy, slept with his mom in the same bed, so he was about 16. Mm-hmm. I thought that was weird. <laughs> My mom has six boys. Um, we didn't ever sleep with her in her bed. She, she's like, get out of my bed. Go make your own. And so I was trying to figure out how that guy got to where he got to and had to go through it that way because I wanted to do that stuff. I wanted yeah. to be on stage and things and play and sing. And so my dad decided to take me to his house in Memphis and show me Graceland on the way to a TV show we had to go to. We got to go do called The Ralph Emery Show in Nashville. And I've been doing Mickey Mouse stuff up to that point acting and things so i got a uh i got a uh, a job playing two songs on nashville now okay and they paid me like an artist i was 12 and so he took me and the songs was heartbreak hotel and we belong together by richie valenzuela who who i just seen the movie la bamba Mm -hmm. and fell in love with that song and that artist and elvis too Mm -hmm. but that came from a california raisins cartoon heartbreak hotel the version i'd heard i'd never heard elvis sing it so my dad set me up to sing the song my way at the in the trailer at Elvis's house, how to sing tape place. You go record a tape for ten bucks, so pull cool. up a track, and then I get to the Country Music Hall of Fame where he introduces me to Del Bryant, and he says, "If you want to go to the vault and check out some Elvis records," I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I go down to the vault <laughs> and I pull out this Elvis record, fifty golden, fifty million number one. I put it on the thing and the Marantz, real nice <laughs> tube and the headphones, and um. I put the record on, I blew my mind. Heard him sing Heartbreak Hotel for the first time before I went on the show the next day to sing it oh after God. singing my version at his house. Yeah. That's how, that's how clever my dad can be. Like magical, right? He just happens to play the banjo to support his family. You know, that's how he makes money. Ding, 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 that's 50 bucks right there. Ding, 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 groceries. I mean, right. yeah, he sounds like a character out of a Disney film. Five bucks a pluck at this point. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> He's making money. But anyway, my point being, um, I put the record on the Morantz amp. I went yeah. over to find a Roy Orbison record because I'd heard of him but never heard him sing. The record, I went back to put it in the case. It was warped. Mm. And I shoved that thing back in the box and I put it on the shelf and I ran because <laughs> I thought it was the only copy. Mm-hmm. Of that Elvis record, because I was at the Hall of Fame yeah. downstairs in the basement, you know. <laughs> so, met May Axton after we sang, who wrote it, who was half my size, and I was only 12. Mm-hmm. And she looked up at me and said, honey, I said, I'm sorry if I messed up your song. I, I love it when anybody cuts my song, <laughs> darling. I mean, I couldn't believe it, you know. I mean, talking about... Uh, treasures like that um, in songwriting. You also have met Dolly Parton, haven't you, at the Grand Old Opry? Well, right? she introduced my cousin and I um, mm-hmm. when Donald Rumsfeld was in the house and that Iraq stuff was going on. We were live in 172 countries. That's the only oh. time at the Opry they had the lights on in the house and a, and a metal detector in the back <laughs> and the Pentagon Channel yeah. uh, on on property. And it was weird, yeah, but it was awesome. So she introduced us. Everybody's very uptight, but very on point that night. A lot of security, a lot of secret secret service people there and stuff. Anyways, 
She introduced us as our as our dads by mistake. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Hanna and John John McEwen. And these two dudes walk out with like Manuel suits on, with sparkly suits, and they're and she's like, Whoa, hello. You know, kinda like who are you guys? And we're live. We're like, uh, we're playing, you know, hi Dolly, nice to see you. And oh well and then Eddie Stubbs over there is like, Dolly, those are their kids. And do- she goes, Well, I'll be darned. These are their sons. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's all good. Here they are. And so we had them in the palm of our hand mm-hmm. from hello. But I'd met her when I was six months old. I have a Polaroid and a Barbie. Oh, okay. She gave me, I have a Polaroid of her holding me when I was six months old. It was awesome. Oh, how but lovely. Don't remember that. But I brought it up to her mm-hmm. at the Opry. Yeah. She remembered. Oh, she's I that she girl. Was. She's that girl. My pops used to open for her when he wasn't working okay. with the band sometimes. And she told him on the bus, apparently. Johnny, I think I'm going to open me up a theme park called Dollywood. What do you think of that idea? I think it's going to be great, Dolly. It's like the third top grossing theme park in the world now. She's a great businesswoman. So talk about zero to hero. Yeah, right. But, but try not to go back to zero is the is the catch. Because most people that do what I do, that play the guitar and sing and, and ride around in a van and play gigs, you know, play gigs their whole life. It's it's a, it's mostly tragedies. So I, my, part of my role as a musical lineage whatever guy i don't want to say whatever but um it's keeping the the torch lit let's say however you see however that unfolds is to also try to keep my friends who do this from losing their minds over something that's so precious and and fun and easy to do like playing playing and singing all the things that come with it are are not they're the things that your mother will tell you you should probably have another job just in case you, you know, you something to fall back on if this music thing doesn't work out. You know what I mean? Because it's uh, it's kind of uh, not for the faint of heart, if you know what I mean. It's not. But what I will say is if you just, you or any artist just stays focused on their art and their love for it and, you know, having the perspective that they're blessed to be able to even, you know, have the opportunity to perform or play music in general, then that has to be enough and everything else is just the icing on the cake, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's how you keep yourself from falling off the, I'm so sad that I'm not on, you know, um, playing at, what's the, what's the place in New York City? Madison Square Garden tonight. Right. You know? It's got to be cool to be playing in a little club in Los Libos, which it is, too. Right. But, you know, then there are also those opportunities to do the bigger shows. It's just, you know, what do you, do you have a preference mm. between a huge show and a small club? Like, do you? I'd rather play for a very difficult room any, yeah. any day. Like up at Chris's place and right. at Lost Court, there were nights where there was two people. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned from my dad and Steve, his buddy Steve, that when they were doing these shows and with, with um, the, the Dirt Band and stuff, when they started out, it didn't always work, you know, the comedy stuff especially. That's hard. And so they, they taught me how to like uh, play to a room of one mm-hmm. as if it was a thousand. And if you can't get that, if you can't win them over, that's highly likely you're not going to do very well in a room of a hundred or more either. So, that, so it was actually more, more um, challenging and, and um, you never know who that person would, they might've come to see you, mm-hmm. you know? And if you go up there and go, I, I don't want to be here tonight. This is, this is, um, I can't do this. Right. And then you split. That's all they're ever going to talk about. 
And also, I mean, we're going to go out to break really quick, but I remember when I saw you was there at Glass Chord and I walked in and you were playing Rhinestone Cowboy. And I was like, that's really cool. Who is this? Per-? You were playing it on, on the, the piano. Oh, yeah. Cool. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, it w- I was not expecting to see somebody like that in Solving, mm. you know? And because my parents had met you, that's how we met, is my parents introduced us. Um, and they're like, you have to just come watch this guy. He's so amazing. I'm like, okay, sure. So I like walk over to Lost Chord. And there you are. I felt are. it was appropriate for Solvang, that song. It was know? so appropriate. I was like, this is Riding magical. out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo. <laughs> we got to talk about Larry Weiss when we come back. Um, but anyway, everybody, my very special guest is Jonathan McEwen today. Thanks We're, for having me, Arwen. Thanks for coming. The Arwen Lewis Show That's on right. KZBX. KZSB. Wait, KZFY. Are we on FM or AM or, or well, AM XM? Or, or, I'm joking. <laughs> Could, would you give me the call letters again? KZ. SB.com. AMM and AMF and it's on.com too, right? Okay, cool. Thank you, folks. Uh, we're going to take you out to break with uh, Jonathan McEwen playing uh, the leader of the band with his dad, John McEwen. And then we'll bring you back in with Jonathan McEwen's song, Scorsese. His hands were meant for different work And his heart was known to none He left his home and went his lone and solitary way And he gave to me a gift I know I'd never get repay Quiet man of music, deep night, a simpler fate. He tried to be a soldier once, but his music wouldn't wait. He earned his love through discipline, a thundering velvet hand. His gentle means of sculpting souls took me years to understand. Eyes are growing old, but his blood runs through my instrument, and his song is in my soul. My life has been a poor attempt to imitate man. I'm just a living legacy to the leader of the band. Scorsese made a film of your life Tell me what kind of a script would they write If you knew that it is never too late Would you start living differently If Oprah read a book about you Or to make the list would be approved If you know your story isn't done Would you create a better Good morning, everybody. This is Arwen Lewis on The Arwen Lewis Show. You just heard um, Jonathan McEwen's song, Scorsese, and now he's going to play live in the studio. He's going to perform a beautiful song called The Runaway Set. So take it away, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. 
various places Trying to forget the people they've met They're the runaway set They take trips and jump their traces Traveling by jet From Podunk to Tibet They're the runaway set Run, 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 chase the sun, that's all they ever do. Run, 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 just like I've done since I lost you. Until kindly time erases the tears and regret, I'll be cutting the net. Run, run, run and chase the sun That's all they ever do Run, run, run just like I've done Since I lost you Until kindly time Erases the tears and regret How beautiful, Jonathan. Um, That song, Runaway Set, is a classic. And I know you've made a couple recordings of it recently, right? Yeah, we did a a full-on production out in Nashville at Dark Horse Studios with Del Bryant, whose uh, dad wrote it. His daddy also wrote Rocky Top and Love Hurts and all that. All the Everly's hits, really. A bunch of the good ones, I should say. And he found this tape of his dad singing that at the kitchen table where they wrote all their songs. You know, wake up, little Susie. Yeah, you got to go home. You know, they're making spaghetti. I don't know. Bye-bye happiness. Hello, lonely. I think I'm going to cry. I think I'm going to die, honey. So Boudlo and Felice were were writing all their songs in the kitchen. The first meeting I had in Nashville was with Del. He told me that story. That's what I got in the gig. Gag. That's what I'm about. That's that's the gag I like. The songs, man. And his dad and mom wrote 6,000, 10,000, kept the doors open at BMI for 30 years. And he gave me that tape and he goes, I want you to cut this. And I said, actually, can I cut this? He said, I'd be, I'd be honored if you cut one of my, mm. he's always honored if somebody cuts one of his parents' tunes, but no one's cut it at, at that point. Four years before My Guitar Gently Weeps was written or so, mm-hmm. Budlo wrote this song and George was a huge fan of his writing and his chord structures. So I don't know if you noticed that chord structure, but it's very, it's very much. Yeah. So. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just like, whoa. That's Paul McCartney's solo, excuse me. Okay. <laughs> uh, let me see. So he had a chord structure. He played fiddle, mm-hmm. Budlow first. He was a pretty dang good Opry fiddle player and stuff. And then he became a writer and started playing on the nylon string guitar and came up with these cool chord variations for his song. So, And he wrote it around the kitchen table. 
about people go to the strangest places trying to forget the people they've met. They're the, they're the runaway set. I thought that that was a cool, yeah. cool idea for a song. So we recorded it grand and uh, acoustic and stuff. I haven't quite done it that low before. I did today, but uh, a couple frogs got in my car today, and they can't find their mom. Um, so, 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 but uh, Budlo did have a very deep voice, so uh, that's the way he wrote it, kind of like down there. He, he talked real low like that. You know? Well, it sounded really nice on well, that guitar, you. for sure. That's a, well, he wrote every song he ever wrote. He wrote on a Martin guitar. Oh, well, it was very And, fitting. of course, Dell pulls out that guitar. Hey, you want to play that guitar? Like, but I, yeah, I'd like to just... <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> In the candy shop. No songs, no music business. So I, I was hooked. Well, and Dell, is he the person who kind of gave you your first big break, too? Were we talking about that Pretty yesterday? Much. Okay. Dell is the, I mean, as far as guys go in the music business, Dell Bryant, that's my, that is the president of show business to me, mm-hmm. you know, whether he's in it or out of it, when he wants to be or not. He, he's a star. He's, he's made more artists than I can count. Huge careers. Cool. And if you look him up, you know, he's he's like the president of show business, you know. You'll see. And he, he did it for And he's still the president of show business. He's like Putin. He's like 40, 50 years, you know. No. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. A wonderful family, no less. Yeah. Well, um, t- what was the first project that you were a part of that really kind of brought you into the spotlight? I know you were assigned to DreamWorks at one point. It was that... Um, it was that uh, Mickey Mouse stuff. It was okay. in 1988. We went to Touchstone. It was it Touchstone? I think the contract I signed was a Touchstone contract. But we were at Disney St- Warner Studios or something down there. Mm-hmm. The one with the, the the tower, the Bugs Bunny thing. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I was so little. I didn't. These kids were coming in there with briefcases, how to sing tapes. Mm-hmm. They were they were studying hard to get the part. Yeah, and they just came off a of film, mm-hmm. and uh, these were the Britney Spears of the world. Uh, Britney and Christina and just, those got those they they were actually super talented mm-hmm. at that already. These other kids I met were 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 actors like use your acting, Gary. Actors, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like whoa, mm-hmm. this is weird. Briefcases, twelve. Suits. This guy Chase. I'm like, what's up, bro? You know, seriously. I'm just. I need to study. So we pull out. We're, we're going to the thing. He gets out his briefcase. How to sing? And he's all, <laughs> you know, they're very smart, very clever people. But yeah. that was the first spotlight. I think big time, bang in your face. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. And you just got the part right away. I'm assuming because no, like, ten thousand kids in the country tried out. I was picked out of them. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. the last. Thir- I was thirteen. And 13. So I was like a little bit too old at the point at which we moved to Orlando to do the seven-year itch. Mm-hmm. I got cut because oh. I couldn't tap dance. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, if, at least you didn't just stay in the Mickey Mouse Club. And then what if you well, just would have become a pop star? I never tap danced on the show ever, not once. <laughs> And, and you never paid for tap dancing shoes, not once. Well, and I don't, I actually think you can tap dance. I think I can. I believe in you. I, okay. My grandma gave me her <laughs> tap dancing shoes. They had that little strap, the little thing over the, the foot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, I can't. <laughs> you know, but I couldn't get caught wearing my grandma's tap shoes. Oh, I wore them to school once. It was a bad day. <laughs> well, <clears throat> we're going to move on from that. We're going to take you out to break uh, with the Nitty Gritty Dirt. Point is, band. I don't tap dance. Okay. <laughs> but he could if he wanted <laughs> Not to. Not going to do it. <laughs> Not going to do it.
this is Jonathan McEwen on my show this um, morning, evening, or afternoon, wherever you're listening. And um, we're going to take you out to break with a nitty-gritty dirt band song, Lowlands, and then bring you back in with One Day by Dave Mason, which, by the way, is the coolest song ever. I had never heard it, and I was listening to it on the way down here. I was like... Did we, you play guitar in that? Yeah, we cut oh. it up at the lake house at Lake Acetas when he had a studio up there with, with Capaldi. We got we we made some records up there by that lake before they tore the house down. But this nitty gritty track yeah. was written by Earl Scruggs' son Randy, okay. and he did it with his son, with his brother Gary in '72. We cut it on the Circle album, my cousin and I, in 2002, with our folks backing us up. So it is a, it is technically a dirt nitty gritty dirt band track. Okay, cool. So thanks for introducing that uh, or letting me play it on the on the radio. Thank you it's for one of the coolest it. things I ever got to do. Thanks to Louis Scruggs and uh, my dad and, and Jeff and and Bill McEwen, of course, not to mention whom, if he hadn't come up with that idea, not, I wouldn't have had been a part of any of it. So thank you, Bill. All right. Enjoy Lowlands. We'll be right back. Jonathan McEwen, and we are here at the Arwen Lewis Show, coming at you live. Everybody, this is Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Show. You just heard Jonathan McEwen uh, playing guitar on Dave Mason's song "One Day," which is the coolest song ever. And I wrote it. Oh, <laughs> oh look at that! Much. With John Inglesby, of course. Oh my gosh! Um, and then now you're gonna—what song are you gonna play for us live right now, Jonathan? Uh, this is an old Rodney Crowd tune we learned when we were kids. The Dirt Band had a, a good uh, single on the radio with it in '80s, and Uncle Ibby was singing. But um, I'm singing "The Long Hard Road," written by Rodney Crowell. All right, take it away. Mm-hmm. 
back to our days and reminds me of being in Colorado. This one here is written by Rodney Crow. Here we go. Way back in my memory, there's a scene that I recall of a little rundown cabin in the woods. Waiting but that I never promised our blue moon would turn gold. We lay awake nights wishing that it would. Our day to day in plain dirt fashion. We load overalls and cotton balls all strapped across your back. It's hard to make believe there ain't nothing wrong. Mom kept the Bible read and Dad kept our family fed and somewhere in between I must have grown. Keep on dreaming that a song that I am singing takes me down the road to where I want to go. Now I'm gone, it's a long, hard road. Sometimes I remember when I stayed up late at night, when the sun up came, we got up. Another beautiful song performed by Jonathan McEwen live on the Armin Lewis Show. That was really cool. Well, Thanks. thank you. I didn't know what to do. It was a bit of a long, hard road getting down here today, I must say. Well, you made it. Thank you. It was no problem. It was early. It's the early. roads are nice. They're getting nicer all the time. Yeah, they're doing all the construction. You know, they're widening the road. Yeah, I know all those guys by first name now. What's <laughs> <The flag. laughs> up? What's up, Cal? Hey. <laughs> throwing burritos from time to time. That's hilarious. Well, Jonathan, I wanted to talk about your um, your experience playing with Dave Mason a little more. Well, interesting you should say that. I was a huge fan. I was turned on to, to David and Jim and them, the traffic guy. 
uh, group guy, the, the the group the guy that turned the Siebenbergs are the ones that turned me on to traffic, and it was such a out, far out music. I never thought, wow, am I going to be able to play that kind of music? So it was like a big challenge to try to get your head around playing World in Changes was kind of a cool thing to to, to learn in uh, in Jesse's camp. Mm-hmm. So I learned that song, and I finally got to meet him, and it blew my mind and blew Jesse's mind, and then. Uh, went to give him get him some weed one time, you know, and I got him here some weed, and then and then he thought I was the weed guy for two years, and then then he thought I was John McEwen for a while. I'm like, dude, uh, that's my dad, because he asked me to play banjo on a track with Jim Capaldi mm-hmm. um, when he was still around called Forty Thousand Headmen, a remake, and I said, I know a guy in L.A. that plays the banjo, <laughs> so I called up my old man and he <clears throat> he said, dude. Dad, you want to play banjo on 40,000 headmen with traffic? And he goes, I'm getting in my car right now. <laughs> so he heads up to the house and he records with them. And that went on. And then I got to play finally with him a, a half a year later. So we started recording. Cool. He brought Sheila E. over to the house. He brought uh, Mike Finnegan. He, he brought Tos Panos. Uh, not Tos Panos. Um, he brought um, the, the guy from Prince's Band, Renato. Um, he brought all the guys from the Electric Lady the, the back in the day. Um, Finnegan, he played with Hendrix and them. Mm-hmm. B3 guy, looks like a sergeant, smokes a cigar. Tal Bergman from Rod Stewart's band. So he had all these amazing musicians at the house trying to figure out what the next... We made the same record four times. <laughs> and then um, I got a, a cut on the... I couldn't believe that he actually wanted to record that song. One day, I wrote it in a kitchen at Greg Penny's house in Ojai with John Inglesby, and it it's called One Day, and it uh, it's, it's a highest honor when one of your favorite artists records one of your songs. Yeah, and that is, <clears throat> it's such a cool song too. Like I, I don't know if I've ever seen you perform it live, but I could totally hear your spirit in it for sure. Don't don't Kelly on don't don't Kelly on don't don't Kelly on starts. I think it starts like that. Well, one of his records is it on. Uh, it's on his 24, uh, 26 letters, sorry, 24 letters in my world, 26 letters, 12 notes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, Dave hi. Mason. And I'm on that. I played on the whole record. I helped him make, I helped him it's uh, two and a half years, you know, uh, every day. Long I was, work. Yeah. Well, you know, it, the work paid off. And then we toured together as a duet, did about 50 da- dates that way. And it sounded like a record. It was so cool. Yeah. Two acoustics. Um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about your music, too. Um, your song, Sunshine, that we're going to uh, take people out to break with, that was recorded here in Santa Barbara, right? Well, um, an old family friend, Jim Messina, had a studio on, on Rose Lane there, and we re- rebuilt it uh, into a, a space that um, I was lucky to get a song and a record out of. Um, the, the opening tune is called Sunshine. Okay. And it's uh, an Ojai track, um, De- uh, Denny Wilson, and I used to used to play all the time he, he's actually the, the guy that wrote it okay. and um, <clears throat> I'm not really um, a song writer I'm, I'm becoming one but uh, there's so many good songs written right and this is one of them so it's a beautiful song thank the you production. for saying that thank you it was recorded also at uh, Tucker's old place playback recording oh, here yeah. in Santa Barbara mm-hmm. with all Santa Barbara guys Bucket Baker is on there and Kevin McCormick from Ventura I oh, yeah, have to look at my album video. cover to see who's playing on it. <laughs> no, Rami Jaffe played on it too from Foo Fighters. He played on this record. Oh wow! Yeah, he's amazing. 
Um, yeah, this whole record is awesome. And I think we're going to feature in its entirety at the end of the show of Ventucky, too. So oh, yeah. A fun little song. I got three city songs on here, Nazareth, Bakersfield, and Ventucky. All right. <laughs> well, everybody, <clears throat> we're going to run out to break really quick here. This is Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Show. My very special guest is Jonathan McEwen. And we're going to take you out to break with his song, Sunshine. And that's off of his record, Through the Sun Gate. And then we're going to bring you back in with another really beautiful song um, uh, recorded by Hannah McEwen, which is a duo that Jonathan was a part of, called Ocean. Sunshine, said sunshine Sunshine in my eyes Sunshine, show my heart the light Sunshine, come and bring me light Raindrops and raindrops Raindrops, you're falling like my tears Raindrops gonna last a thousand years Raindrops falling like my everybody this is arwen lewis you just heard a beautiful song called ocean by a duo called hannah McEwen. my very special guest today is jonathan McEwen. uh we've been listening to tracks from um pretty much uh the entirety of his career as a musician and you heard him play live and i thought we could just kind of finish up talking about um touching on hannah McEwen because we didn't talk about that yet um where did the song ocean come from and um why did hannah McEwen perform it well, the legendary Jimmy Adams came up to Ventura on a trimaran. I met him at Cafe Voltaire in the 90s, and he, he, he had this track, I think I'll go down to the ocean, and asked him if I could, but his buddy Bud Beerhouse started doing it real nice, beautiful, like like Allison Krause and Union Station type of arrangement of it, and I was like, whoa, there's a song. Yeah. So I started doing it my way as a young man. By the time Jamie and I got offered to do a record deal, uh, uh, we we had uh, that that was like one of the only tunes we knew, and he did a couple of his, I did a couple of mine, right? So we're at the Bluebird, and Scott Burchett is there, and he heard us play that song, and he he offered us a record deal, mm. on that based on the the fool around tune and that tune. Wow! And uh, but it was born here in Ventura. Okay. Uh, but we cut it at Ocean Way in Nashville. You okay. See? 
And uh, Jamie's been my main, main man mentor, double cousin. Our moms are twins. Our dads are co-founders of the Dirt Band. They met at a radio station, all four of them, <laughs> the same day in Salt Lake City, 1967. I've seen the window. I've looked through it. I've wondered what it would be like if I was on the other side of the glass. But no, I have to be <laughs> look at it omnisciously. I wasn't born at a radio station. I, I came from radio ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, Jamie and I, we, we got a record deal and did Wonder Twin Powers Activate so that we wouldn't die in the process. It was like, we're doing this, right? So yeah. we signed a six record deal with DreamWorks and then Universal bought them the next month and we were on Universal. And that's another story. And the rest is history. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> well, I have one more question for you before we end up. Um, if there was one person in the world who you could perform or write a song with who you haven't met yet, who would it be? Good question. I really like Everyone that. Everyone gets mad at the question, but I really like the, you know, the idea of thinking about that for a second. <laughs> I like that very much. I, somebody like Jeff, uh, one of those pals that we never met, guys that come around and we never, you know, I've never really met, or somebody that you could really get down to a cinematic, uh, cool Americana tune with that would come with a good, a good visual. That's a great answer. You know, <laughs> which Jeff are you talking about? Is I figured good? <laughs> it was like just Jeff from the side of the road is what I thought you were talking about. Uh, one know? of my favorite actors, put it that way. Oh, so oh, somebody like somebody like that, like you know, you've been in the same room with, but you just don't dare say hello because you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. You know? I thought you meant like you know Jeff. You know, you know, Jeff you know he's just gonna you know come out of nowhere. Our country gonna... store. Yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> now I've written songs with guys that work at Chevron. Um, yeah, there's one on here to be honest. Ken Ledford. Cool. He wrote "Roadhouse Ain't No Home" with uh, Pete Howard and I, That's... which has Rami Jaffe and I met him at a Chevron Pump in Ohio. See, unbelievable. My dad has a story like that too. He was um, he was teaching a songwriting uh, workshop in I don't know Michigan or something, and some guy wrote these beautiful lyrics about. Uh, it was called the song is called "To the Hearse," and he uh, my dad had the lyrics. To and, the hearse. Yeah, it's but Ooh. it's uh, but it's like she never took me for granted. She never took me for worse. That's it a forever bind us. Like... It binds to the hearse. Yeah, it's a Whoa. it's a good song, but it's That's heavy it's, lyrics. Yeah, I like it. but he made he found the lyrics and he couldn't find the guy so the guy still hasn't gone gotten his publishing okay. but it was just some random person kind of just that walked in from the streets and wrote the lyrics and then my dad made a song of it so anyway yeah. we didn't get to talk about you and my Very dad's cool. relationship but well i met your dad i spilled out of a car from aspen colorado and there's peter lewis down there and i'm like well who is this guy right i'm like this guy well, you know chris is like you know moby grape i mean he's you know i'm like what are you serious so and i'd, I'd heard of them for 30 40 years i've been hearing moby grape moby grape. and i met the other two guys yeah okay right but i never met the guy guy <laughs> and so here he is he's like he looks just like my dad but he doesn't have no beard you know, he's got the same kind of vibe, and he's very, very smart. And so I'm talking to this guy, and my friend filmed us talking, and, and you watch the, the side of the sparky side of the video, and I'm just going, oh, yeah, really? I'm so excited to talk to this guy because he gets it. Yeah. And I'm actually the one that doesn't get it. And we're both learning so much in so such a short amount of time. Yeah. He's that guy. Well. Very, very connected dude. I know that he thinks you're probably one of the most magical people. Well, he's, he's, he ain't no slouch. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, this has been so much fun. My very special guest was Jonathan McEwen. Thank you for having me. 
course. And uh, we're going to play Jonathan's song, Ventucky, in its entirety. And this is the first song that's played, the first time the song is this played is on the, the radio. This is the first time. I just had a, a ginger beer with the writer last night, my co uh, my co associate friend, Dan Grimm in Ojai, who has Carbonite Sound Studios up there. And um, this is going out to all the, the people in Ojai, Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, and the musicians who have supported me and shown up for me and the songs that we've got to pr- procure. Uh, we might actually have some here, folks, and thanks for listening. Have a great day. Down in Ventucky. show was brought to you by Evolve Entertainment. Host Arwen Lewis. Executive producer Jeremiah D. Higgins. Producer and sound engineer Richard Dr. D. Dugan. You can find Arwen Lewis and all of her music at arwenlewismusic.com and follow her on Instagram at Arwen Lewis. It's NFL draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.